covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thank you so much for being tuned in as it is another weird week of baseball. I think we're going to be saying that throughout the course of this season, just with everything going on. And uh, we'll talk about the weirdness today. We'll also just get into some baseball stuff today as well, which is good as we actually had a full week of Brewers games. We weren't able to say that when we were recording this podcast this time last week. Our normal housekeeping items here at the top of the program. If you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is on Twitter. Find me at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T. P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. If you listen to the podcast via Apple Podcast and can subscribe and leave a ranking and review, that would be absolutely fantastic, and I would very much appreciate you doing that. Jim Goulart is our featured guest this week uh, from BrewerFan.net. He is going to be on in just a few moments. So we are at a place right now in baseball where it's really hard to kind of separate what's going on on the field and what's going on off the field, unless you're the St. Louis Cardinals where there is nothing going on on the field. So there's no worry about separating. That's a, we'll see what happens there. They're not going to play their next series against Pittsburgh. Uh, It is just a disaster. They, if, if major league baseball is going to try to get them to play 60 games, uh, they are going to be playing a ton, a ton of, of doubleheaders. They have multiple doubleheaders scheduled against the Brewers. I have to think at some point Major League Baseball is going to take a step back and realize, okay, maybe this is not uh, the best decision from a health and safety standpoint. On the other side of it, if the Cardinals have another, you know, some sort of outbreak or if they get a bunch more individuals who test positive before they return to play, is that it? Is that all she wrote for the Cardinals this year? Are they done and they rework the schedule? Maybe. Uh, I don't. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to kick a team out. But at some point in time, when when they've played just a handful of games and they've missed so much time, at some point, do you cut your losses with them? That's pr- we're probably a little premature in having that conversation right now. But I, if if on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday before they are scheduled to get back going on Thursday, if they have another handful of positive tests on the team. I, I don't know if they play again this season. Maybe I'm being overdramatic about this. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. Uh, and we'll just have to wait and see. I think for baseball's sake, you hope that the tests start coming back negative and they're able to get back on the field uh, from a uh, from a fairness standpoint. I don't know what you do about them possibly qualifying for the postseason where clearly they're going to be playing less games than all, all other teams, assuming baseball doesn't do something crazy and try to force them into all these doubleheaders so they'll go to win percentage. But it's a lot of games less than everybody else potentially that they could play. So the Cardinals are just another story right now, and who knows what's going to end up happening with them. But from the Brewers' standpoint, after missing that series last weekend, they were able to play the four games against the White Sox, the three games against Cincinnati. They lose the two games at home against the White Sox. They then go to Chicago, win two games there. They lose their first two games against Cincinnati where the offense really struggled, and then they come back with one of their better wins of the year when they knock off Cincinnati on Sunday. And the 
we've seen Christian Yelich put together some better games lately. There's been a lot of focus on him coming out of his slump. Clearly, there are signs. He had the inside the park home run. Then he had that par- home run to uh, left field, which was just the classic Christian Yelich swing. He had the home run that he hit on Sunday that he just destroyed off the bat over 110 miles per hour off the bat and hit the uh, scoreboard out in center field. So clearly, he is. It's not just one game. You hear me talk about it all the time. It's really easy to get excited about somebody having one good game as they're trying to fight out of a slump. For me, if they're really fighting out of that slump, it's about putting together multiple good games in a row or at least a bunch of them kind of in a cluster. I think you can argue that at the plate, we've seen Yelich have a pretty good day this past Thursday against the White Sox, this past Friday against Cincinnati, and then on Sunday against Cincinnati. The Saturday game against Cincinnati probably wasn't anything that he loved at the plate, but three out of four days, pretty good. You'll take that. I think a lot of Major League Baseball players, if you could give them the option to have a good day at the plate, three out of four games, most Major League Baseball players would probably uh, accept that proposition. So we are seeing good things from Christian Yelich. We continue to see pretty good pitching. Uh, I don't know if we're talking about this enough. We're probably not. We're probably not. Uh, the pitching, especially the starting pitching, has been pretty good. Saw some issues in the first inning with Brett Anderson. Had some issues uh, even with Brandon Woodruff on Sunday right at the beginning. But overall, when you take a step back and look at what starting pitching is doing, and not just starting pitching, but also starting pitchers who are not starting right now, the Corbin Burns is the Freddie Peraltas, what they've been able to do kind of in a piggyback situation. They've been doing good things as well. So Overall, I think there are, in some ways, the trajectory is moving in the right direction. In some ways, you still wonder what's going to happen with this team from a hitting perspective. I still think, I I really, I I think the summer camp, the three-week summer camp is continuing to have a really big impact on baseball. I think pitchers are ahead of hitters, but I think it's also resulting in all these pitchers' injuries that we're seeing. Um... Yeah, so that's a big part of it. I don't think hitters have their timing. I think the lack of crowds and the lack of intensity impacting uh, hitters as well. You know, I've said this before where it's – hitters probably have more of an opportunity to be somewhat passive – as compared to pitchers, because a pitcher, there's a there's an action every single time you are throwing the ball. There is you, you can't really be passive with that. You can you could not be giving it your all, but for the most part, pitchers they are being forced to be very active in everything that they do. For a hitter, you can take a more passive approach at the plate. We actually heard Justin Smoke talk about that a little bit after the game on Sunday, and he broke out of it a bit on Sunday, and that was really good to see because the Brewers need production at first base, and Smoke's got to be a guy who produces for this team. He was brought in with the idea that uh, you would get production out of him, and you haven't seen it quite yet until Sunday, but he was asked about his approach at the plate on Sunday, and he even admitted that without fans in the stands, it's really easy. It's not good, but just as a human being, it's really easy to kind of fall into that trap of being passive. So working through that, finding a way to keep your intensity level as high as possible, even when you're kind of creating that energy yourself, 
the good teams in baseball are going to be the ones that are able to do that, especially as the year goes along. It's going to get tougher on a each and every day basis uh, moving forward just as you continue to go through the grind of the season and not playing in front of uh, fans and, and that sort of thing. But it's good to have baseball. It's really good to have baseball. Uh, it was nice for me. I was finally able to, and, and I know a lot of people are jealous, and I'm very uh, blessed that I'm able to walk into Miller Park. I'm one of just a handful of media members that have been there, uh, but it's been nice to be in a building watching baseball. It feels different. Feels really, really, really different. I'm not going to lie to you. In fact, when you're watching a game on TV or listening to it on the radio, I don't think how different it feels comes through. Like they do a they do a really nice job on radio or uh, the incredible job on radio. You would never know on radio because of the crowd noise. And then on TV, I think they've done a nice job of being able to kind of cover up some of the areas where it seems like the game is a little bit different. When you're in the stadium, it definitely feels incredibly, incredibly, incredibly different. Uh, but it's baseball. It's high-level baseball being played, and that absolutely is a good thing. All right, got a lot to get to. Always enjoy my conversations with uh, Jim Gulak from Brewer fan.net so without any further ado let's get to it after every brewers game signing an announcement bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take now we bring them all together it's the social media roundtable and it starts now brewers extra is the podcast is powered by wtmj mobile very happen to very happy excuse me to welcome back onto the podcast Somebody we haven't had on for uh, quite some time. We like having him on a lot more often than this. He is uh, Jim Goulart. He uh, does a great job of uh, keeping an eye on what's going on in the minor leagues, which is not as much of a deal this year. Uh, Also, just anything related to the Brewers audio-wise, he is finding it. He is posting it at BrewerFan.net. You follow him on Twitter at Mass underscore Haas, M-A-S-S underscore H-A-A-S. Jim, it is a sign of normalcy that you are back on the podcast. How are you? Matt, thank you for finding me and, and having me back. I appreciate it. In the midst of all the uh, madness going on in the world, we, we do try to return to a bit of a normalcy here, um, be that as it may, right? Yeah, we, we do. And uh, what was it? I know just for you, and you obviously focus in on the Brewers, but you love baseball. And there's a lot more. I'm not trying to, like, make baseball out to be the most important thing when we as a country are fighting through a pandemic. But during those months of absolutely no baseball, when we were expecting it to be played, what is that like for you? Does it feel the same as when there's been strikes in the past? Does it feel different because it's a public health concern? Uh, Emotionally, how do you handle that no baseball for those few months? It was difficult, but at the same time, you just try to put things into perspective. Um, as, as a lot of folks know, I'm up here in the northeast of Massachusetts. In the early months of the, the pandemic, we were in a situation very difficult, very different rather than, than New York State, New York City. And um, it was hard not to worry about, well, they should be in you know, the traditional spring training for a few weeks and then opening day it was um it was difficult but you you just tried to put things in perspective um i was my own personal situation my my wife and i are empty nesters we've been inconvenienced but hardly to the extent that so many other people had been truly uh devastated in in many ways by this uh from a sports perspective I just kind of rolled with it and and said uh, let's let's bide our time, see what happens. I, I will tell you that 
I don't know if you get a sense of this, Matt, as well, but I, I don't want to use the word dirty or, I guess, guilty a little bit of, of trying to enjoy these ball games and, you know, getting my highlights from MLB Network quick pitch every morning. Um, you're rooting for, for your team. You're rooting for um, some normalcy, as we just talked about. But there's a little bit of saying, wow, what are we really doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I, I make my way to my employer, and so many other people do as well. So if the if MLB tries to make this happen and give society, I guess it was the big focus, uh, some, a diversion, some entertainment, uh, hopefully people are finding some some novelty with that. At the same time, we're all holding our breath, hoping that we don't see a player, coach, otherwise with a serious, serious situation. We know that some of the Cardinals have been to an emergency room based on their health issues. It's kind of holding our breath a little bit, right? Yeah, and maybe I shouldn't say what I'm about to say considering the fact that my job is literally to um, talk about games and break down games when they get done. But, Jim, to be perfectly honest with you, what I'm what I'm challenged by, what I'm struggling with at times is you know, generally in a baseball season – we're locking in on all these trends, you know. If, for you know, this week, if it was a normal baseball season, we'd be locking in on the strikeouts. We'd be locking in on the just lack of scoring runs, you know, I, items like that, and and really trying to dig deep. And I I get into these things, and I keep saying to myself, "Well, we're playing in a pandemic, and they had three weeks to get ready. Like, well, of course this is happening. Like, it's really tough for me to be maybe." as righteously indignant, for lack of a better term, about anything that's going on because I just I keep relating it back to the, 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 the environment that we're in right now. It's, it's so upside down. There's nothing you can really compare it to with, you know, seven-inning doubleheaders and, and schedules that are like Play-Doh. They're fungible, you know, and, and the, the Detroit Tigers at eight and five and uh, the Marlins – it, you know, we're going to see teams at the end of 60, 60 games that we wouldn't have ever dreamed be in the postseason, and they will be. And then we'll see other teams that are just scratching their heads, and they'll have top five draft picks next year yeah. that we couldn't have envisioned. Um, it is just it take for what it's for. It's an effort um, made by both the Players Union and uh, MLB in itself. I do think that the financial implications are going to have been understated so far for what it's going to mean to Marco Ignacio and and this organization as as early as next year. It's going to be a fascinating storyline to see what what impact incurs. Hopefully, there's a better sense of of a handle with you know who knows what's going to happen with vaccines and vaccine effectiveness and what is it going to look like because you know. Spring training gets started so early, yeah. uh, you know, mid-February isn't that far away. <laughs> and uh, we'll just have to see what what life holds at that point. But as far as 2020 goes, it's going to be a year that we all remember, not just from a baseball perspective, but, of course, from every other type of perspective, uh, with the school situations breaking this, this month all across the country. Um, we try to pick up these nuggets and have discussions that allow fans to yeah, hey, Jim and Matt are discussing, uh, you know, Eric Sogard at the top of the lineup and, and all that. But we, we look around us, it's 
it's a little bit of, of I don't know, madness, yet we try to find um, benefit within, right? Yeah, we're trying. We're trying. That's a good way of saying that we absolutely are trying. I was, I was having a conversation with somebody today, and really, I mean, I'm not trying to discount. The, the, I'm sure there are some players out there that this this they are just as competitive as they've always been, and this means the world to them. But in a way, what's actually going on here is there. It's a made-for-TV borderline exhibition with just the idea to do enough to be able to kind of put together a field for a playoff, and then the owners can make eight hundred million dollars off the playoffs if you make it all the way through. I mean, that's essentially what's going on. Oh, absolutely! It's it's this is a their only chance for the grab bag, and and why they've been adamant throughout that it's going to be you know we have to get to the end. Um, it would be a disaster at any point to say uh, you know we, we we're not going to get to the end. We're not going to get to those playoffs. Um, can you imagine what will happen if there's a breakout in the final week of the regular season, heading into the playoffs? It, it's there's so many uncharted things that still could turn things upside down. So, like I said, it's almost been a, a let's hold our breath and see what happens literally on a, an hour-to-hour basis. For somebody who tries to keep up with their, their Twitter timeline um, pretty carefully, you know, during the course of whether it's a work day or an overnight, first thing in the morning, uh, it, it, you just, I, I'm never surprised at what pops up on my timeline at this yeah. point. And, uh, just literally before talking to you, that the Zach Plezak situation broke with the Indians, where he's being penalized uh, by the club itself for for taking steps that he shouldn't have in socializing away from the club. It's um, you never know what's next moment is going to bring. I, I will say this, Matt, how are you enjoying, I know you're at the ballpark for, for home games, which has to be different in and of itself, but the road games, you're kind of like the rest of us at home. I think that they've done a tremendous job from a technical standpoint. And except for the distraction of not seeing actual fans in the stands, I'm, you know, beyond the actual scope of what's happening on the field with pitchers dominating and all that, and we can talk about that in a second, I am getting the same sensation of watching a ball game. And I don't, I don't know how you're seeing that. Yeah, so that's an interesting question, and it, there's a lot of different kind of ways I can answer it. First off, I let me uh, applaud both the TV and the radio folks for, for what they're doing with road games because they are, you know, for – B.A. and Rocker in their booth at Miller Park watching the game on monitors. Jeff and Lane on the radio side are sitting at Miller Park. And actually, the all the different monitors they have are not even the same. There's like one monitor that's live feed and then everything else. Like there's an all nine that they can look at. And Lane was telling me this the other day that he was calling a scoring play and he needed to, you know, he watched the main one and then he needed to see where the ball was at. So his head went to the all nine. Well, the all nine is delayed off what he's going off of. So he sees the run scoring. So he thinks it's the second run scoring. It was actually the first run scoring just 10 seconds later or whatever. So, I mean, it is, it is challenging uh, what these guys are doing. And I think they're doing a really good job. Jim, I... There are times when I'm watching it on TV that 
it you see the empty stands or you see the cardboard cutouts like it it does look different and I'll be honest with you and somebody wrote this for MLB.com recently and I had I had thought it two or three days before this person I think it may have been Will, Will Leach maybe who wrote it, I'm not sure uh, and and I wish I would have written it somewhere myself there are times during the game that I I put on headphones I have the radio broadcast coming through and I close my eyes. And I just listen because they've got that the fake crowd noise pumped in where yep. you on a radio broadcast, you can't tell the difference really. It feels and, and it's 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 real. And there it is very comfort as somebody who loves baseball and loves baseball on the radio, it's and I'm not trying to overstate this. I'm, I, I, it's funny that I say it this way, but it, it is literally comforting for me when I close my eyes and just listen on the radio broadcast, and I feel better with that than even watching it on TV. That's a that's a great point. Um, I get normalcy just from checking out and, and putting you know you can get the broadcasts online early enough with the radio feed um, through MLB TV uh, and just. The pregame is still the pregame, you know, where they're chatting with, with Craig Council and then they have an interview guest. And um, the game hasn't started yet, but for that 35 minutes or whatever it is, I'm like, okay, we're, we're doing baseball here. Yeah. So that's, that was, that's one of the ways that I try to bring um, some sense of uh, reality or 2019 and, and beyond, you know, pre, pre that, you know, to, to 2020 somehow. I do um, for road games, and I don't know if I've ever stated this publicly. So people who are listening now get to get to find this out. Uh, in the past, in past years, uh, I've done most of the post game shows, or maybe many of the post game shows uh, from the radio, from the actual radio studio. When we had our daughter last year, I've got a home okay. studio set up. Where last year I started to doing doing some games for my home studio and mm-hmm. nobody could ever tell. I remember the first time I talked to Jerry Augustine after I did one from home and I saw him at Miller Park a few days later and I said, did you realize when we were talking, I was I was out of a home studio. I was sitting in my home office when we did that. He had no clue. Uh, and now we every uh, every post game show that I've done so far this year has been from my home studio. And during the pandemic, pretty much everything that was being done on WTMJ and also ESPN Milwaukee, they were outfitting people with home studios. So that's kind of the new. I, I don't I don't know if it's ever going to go all the way back to how it was before because there are a lot of people in radio who have learned that they can do their shows from from home and 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 it sounds exactly the same way as if you would be in a studio. How did the soundproofing go with the uh, the daughter under one year old at the time? Yeah, that's uh, pretty good. Although I'll tell you, I don't. This is kind of a funny story. Uh, with the was it a was there a Pirates game that was? Yeah, the first the first game of that Pirates series it was delayed. They got it started, and then there was about a ninety minute delay. And that evening, my wife was actually at work, so I'm at home. I'm going to watch oh, the boy. game. I'm going to do everything. Well, then it goes into the rain delay, and it's my responsibility to cover during rain delays. So I didn't think it was going to be too long for whatever reason. Of course, of, of course it was going to be this way. My daughter did not appreciate the fact that, uh, that, that I was working, evidently, and she started to make some noise. Yeah. <laughs> so she started to make a little bit of noise, 
And then I brought her in, and I just put her on my lap, and I kind of, you know, started bouncing her on my knee like I do. And I was, I was hosting away while I was doing that. And then all of a sudden, she just kind of screamed. And I found out from my producer later that it, it clearly, clearly, clearly went over the air. So if anybody's listening to this podcast right now and thought you heard a baby screaming during the rain delay, uh, you did. That was my daughter. There you go. Hey, can I bring up a topic that I wanted to touch on a bit? And, yeah. and that was. Should I feel guilty? Because it's so easy to just say that Lorenzo Cain's choice was noble, it was his to make, or whatever, and it, it's, it's not very PC to express the least little bit. And, and, and believe, believe me, I understand and respect every aspect of it. But at the same time, you don't hear a lot of Brewer fans saying they're disappointed and yet, from a, it's, it's purely selfish, right? It's purely selfish when I indicate that. But there is just a, a, just a touch that says, boy, I, I, I miss seeing Lorenzo Cain because he is a talent that was off to a great start. You get those moments throughout the season that are strictly low Cain, whether it's the, the chance in the dugout from Brent Suter and all the other, the big smile and, and not today. So, it, it, you know, where you know it wasn't, uh, a devastating injury, but just something that was his choice, something that we can still all respect. But there's still a touch within us that's, that's disappointed, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it's two different things that you just brought up, and I, I think they're I think they're totally two different things. I think it's totally valid to to miss Lorenzo Cain, lament the fact that he's not on the team, lament the fact that you don't get to see Lorenzo Cain play baseball, and that stinks because he is an incredible baseball player who does incredible things, so he helps the team win. He's an incredible teammate, so he helps the team win in the way that he goes about his business and the way he's in the clubhouse. I don't think there's anything wrong with being even sad that we're not seeing Lorenzo Cain play, but I think at the exact same time we can understand that this was his decision to make and he's got a family and you know they were all this stuff was going on with St. Louis and if if nobody should be asked to do something that they feel uncomfortable with or they don't feel safe doing. Now, I know there's a lot of people in this world who have jobs who are forced to do things that they're uncomfortable with just because they need that paycheck. They can't live without mm-hmm. that paycheck. And I'm I'm sorry for all those people who experience that, and I hope at some point in their lives they're in a position where it's different. But for Lorenzo Cain, it is different. He doesn't – there's nothing that – forces him to have to go to work every day and feel incredibly uncomfortable. So to me, I, I think it's two very different things, and I'm with you. I miss seeing Lorenzo Cain. I wish Lorenzo Cain was playing baseball, but at the same time, I 100% understand and respect his decision. Yeah, and that's where I was trying to go with it, basically. I think that um, it, it did come as such a surprise, or so it seemed, to, to so many among the among his teammates, even if behind closed doors had been discussed quietly or privately with some of them. Um, I don't know if it's look, you can't blame uh, an offensive funk like we've seen for the first two weeks, um, you know, on, on that decision after the first five or six games with, with low cane. But I, I you do think that there is just a, it had to have some kind of undercurrent of impact Overall, because it's so difficult to to see these teams, not just the Brewers, but to self-motivate, to self-get things going. I can definitely see that there's going to be 
teams that can't snap themselves out of funks or whatever, once they get into the you know, quagmire of a 3-12 star or what some of these teams are, are dealing with, whether they're potential you know, top contenders or teams that are surprisingly struggling. Um, but I, had to, I have to think that Lorenzo's decision definitely might have had some impact in the clubhouse, and I think the further we get away from that decision, um, the less impact it will have, but it certainly had to have some shock value um, for what it's worth. It's probably not the right term, but, but some sort of hit in the clubhouse, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and I think everybody – let that – that weekend, um, you lose Lorenzo Kane. You're pl- you're not playing three games because of the coronavirus. Your bench coach Pat Murphy has a heart attack while practice is going on. And I just think about with the Cardinals situation. And I don't know if what I'm about to say is completely right because maybe if they would have been testing the other every other day, would have been caught the day before. But mm-hmm. baseball teams are being caught are tested every other day. So they were tested on Wednesday in Minnesota and then they had an off day on Thursday and they were they were going to start that series uh, in Milwaukee on Friday and the Wednesday test came back Thursday night. That's when they started to get to know, well, what if they would have been on the every other day testing where instead of being tested on Wednesday, they would have been scheduled to be tested on Thursday? And are they yeah. actually going to get tested on Thursday because it's an off day or does it just get pushed back to the next time you're supposed to be at the ballpark and then you're being tested on Friday. I mean, if if that scenario that I just played out could have happened, and it seems at least plausible to me, we don't know for sure whether or not the test, if they would have been given on Tuesday, would have caught what they caught on Wednesday. That means the Brewers would have played for sure on Friday and possibly Saturday, uh, depending Mm -hmm. on how long the test came in, against a team with a bunch of people who had tested positive for the coronavirus. So, I mean, just that whole weekend is just crazy. And then when you dig in a little bit like I just did, I feel it gets that much crazier. Well, we had the Ryan Braun finger situation, maybe even more insane, not insane, but adding to the madness of the weekend was his finger injury came right after he had made some pretty clear comments about what was on his mind as well. So it was just a, for, for the lack of games being played, that was the most active weekend of, of Brewer news and notes, as they say, um, that you could possibly have. And none of it was very uh, friendly to, uh, to hear about or read about, really. You know, I might just I might be looking too far into things. I'm I'm known to do that, Jim. But on that Monday night when they finally played baseball at Miller Park, what turned into uh, opening night on that night against the White Sox, you know, they went through the whole thing of introducing the teams and they had the fake crowd noise and everything. Yeah. And, you know, they they get introduced and the crowd noise is potted up and they wave and everything. And as I was sitting there at Miller Park watching this. I was looking in guys' eyes through the video board, and I just mm-hmm. got this sense of them going, "What are we doing here? Let's let come on, let's, let, let's just play baseball." What are we doing here? Yeah, and I don't. And I, fans, I, you ask the same question. Yeah, you know, you you kind of do. You know, you you run through all your Netflix. There's there's barely any new stuff going on on the other channels. You've been waiting for this, and then you. There's all this peripheral stuff going on, and you go, "What are we doing here?" And um, you know, I, I I know I took a break from the. I've, I've been in a uh, 
a traditional rotisserie league. We're actually one of the longest running, or I guess up until this year, um, in the nation. It's like we're up to like 34 years where this group of friends have, have done a traditional roto year a league, and we get together for a, a face-to-face uh, draft uh, every April. And, you know, it's just been part of our lives as we grow from, you know, young adults to parents and even grandparents now for some of us. And, um, you know, we just said, what are we doing here? We're not going to put something, slap something together at the last moment. And, and then, as you can see, with the impact across MLB, uh, hopefully we're back next year. But it was definitely one of those what are we doing here kind of moments. I'm trying to do things like analyzing when, when is Luis Urias going to slot in and, yeah. and where can he make the most impact and trying to analyze things from a, the Appleton roster and who's potentially here, there, what's going on with Burns and Peralta and the piggybacking. So you try to get into those moments where you're analyzing things like that. But um, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I miss, Matt, and I know that, again, it's, it's not the media's place to um, – they're being sensitive about it, too, and not talking about really unless asked um, how things are different for, the, for them. But, you know, we all get to see the Zoom interviews or a good portion of them. So if we're seeing them, whether Fox Sports presents them or otherwise, we're seeing all the quotes that all the beat guys – are taking and running with, and I still read their stories and such, but we're not getting treated for the things that they dig up in one-on-one clubhouse sessions and things like, wow, you know, uh, Tom or Adam or Will broke that story, and it's like, that's something I didn't know. That's something I'm enjoying reading about. We're kind of seeing this whitewashing of, of, and I'm sure they're trying to get their original stuff going, but we're kind of being cheated out of that as well. And that it's kind of a homogenized media representation of, of what's going on. And um, I still give those guys credit, but they're getting robbed a little bit. And because they are, uh, the fans are as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that. And I don't know how many fans actually care about that or not. I mean, the fact that you said it means there, uh, there's definitely people who care about it. But I do, because I love those in, unique and individual things that we stumble upon during the course of a season. Yeah, baseball is the sport where, as a reporter, you can show up in the middle of the afternoon and the clubhouse is open and you can go have a one-on-one conversation or after the game you could stick around for a while and you can wait for somebody to you know, get out of the shower and come back to, to their locker and get dressed and you can you could talk to them on a one-on-one basis for five, ten minutes. And that that availability exists in baseball more than any other sport and it, it helps foster an environment where you do have um, these incredible stories. And Jim, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm glad I'm going to the ballpark and I'm glad I get to see baseball, but mm-hmm. there's nothing that, uh, and, and from a media standpoint, that you actually get from being at the ballpark now. Because even when you're at the ballpark, it's still Zoom calls. You're never, ever, ever in the same room as any baseball player, manager, coach, anything. You are completely cut off. So the only true advantage from a media standpoint of being inside the stadium is that you're inside the stadium. Like that's it. There's just it's 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 very it's very different. There's not an advantage like there normally is. Yeah, I guess, you know, I'm again, I'm not one of the beat guys or certainly at all, but I guess if, if they asked media relations staff or others, you know, to have so-and-so 
to be put in touch for a one-on-one off to the side with someone. There's, you know, there's, there's no reason that a player would deny that. There's, there's still not a face-to-face or, or a health risk with that. But you wonder if even even that's going on at this point where it's just um, kind of desensitized and, and just so standard what we're seeing in that regard. So what, I guess that makes it all the more important that what happens between the lines during those nine innings really is where things can get unique. As we've already seen this year, there are days when you go to the ballpark and you're going to see something you never saw before. Um, I, who was it? Was it Brian Anderson that called uh, Eloy Jimenez a uh, the tuna getting caught in the net this week was yeah. that what his line was, which was hilarious. It made me chuckle for sure. Um, so there's still those moments from innings one through nine where you're you're being um, entertained, at least if, if it's not from a, an offensive standpoint. And while I mention that, let me just say that um, I made it a point really kind of go through each and every box score. Was it today Sunday? So Sunday morning. And, um, of course, the box scores show the batting averages, and they also show the up-to-date OPSs for each and every lineup. And it, it just proved to me that, boy, this this Brewer offensive, where everybody says, oh, he's hitting 133 and 146, it is everywhere, Matt. I mean, I think Minnesota and Kansas City, are, are, Kansas City surprisingly, right, with their offense uh, doing well. But you look up and down these box scores, and I know it's only 13 games and things can change quickly, but it's just, I, I really hope that the game itself, um, of course the strikeouts too, but the game itself is, is not in a good place right now, and you hope for the long term that it, are the pitchers with all the training and the drive line and, and let's injuries off to the side right now because maybe all that is also leading that phase two along with the stop and stop and start season but my goodness i think brewer fans could be almost heartened to take a look at those buck scores and say wow we're brewers are six and seven and it could be so much worse because guess what this is happening everywhere and by the way matt the, the brewers are in the playoffs as of sunday night you know that right yeah and and you know more than half the uh more than half of baseball is going to be there so that's yeah. that's something yeah what, to what you said tom hodricourt tweeted this out during the uh during the game on sunday and he said i'll just read tom's tweet because i thought he was spot sure. on there have been two noticeable trends in Major League Baseball after the long shutdown this year. Many hitters have been unable to find their swings. Many pitchers are getting hurt. Neither is good for the game. The, the, mm. the pitchers are clearly ahead of the hitters, but it's also the pitchers who it seems like every day we find out another pitcher went out with tightness or soreness or something more serious than that. And again, I'm not trying to harp on the three-week summer camp, but I do think from both a pitching standpoint and a hitting standpoint, but in different ways, that, it, that the, the short time to get ready is very much impacting the game. Yeah, it's difficult to find... Um Real joy, I guess, right? And in, in, in a lot of trends that we're seeing, um, when there's a walk off, we see the, you know, the hands in the air and those celebrations. Do you find yourself, um, as as players head into the dugout after scoring a run and stuff, do you find yourself almost admonishing them in your mind when you see a high five yeah. that makes it onto the screen? Yep. And I'm like, that's not how I should be watching this game. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be analyzing it to see who's high fiving or, you know, who's. Uh, you know, it, it just 
that, that that's not normal because it, it takes away from the emotion and, and the fans being wrapped up in that emotion. But we, we also find ourselves being the COVID police on screen, which stinks, to, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Well, when Trevor Bauer was pitching the other day, so the Brewers were striking out like twice an inning, they were yeah. they were going around the horn every single time the Reds were. And I just wanted to scream out of my little box that I meant, stop doing that. You're not supposed to be doing that. Like, I couldn't help right. but notice that they were doing what they were not supposed to be doing. Uh, I saw a player today, you know, I won't, I won't call it what, what's, what it's commonly called, but they did kind of like the hand against the nostril and blow the nose. And, and I'm like, that's worse than spitting. What are you doing? You know, and it's just, um, it's just another aspect of baseball in 2020. And uh, I guess they're determined to get to the finish line, no matter what, Matt. And I have no idea what they're going to do in the case of, I guess, you know, they'll figure they've already adjusted the schedule for the Marlins and such, but um, my thought was it's still hurricane season, and if another storm system does significant things up and down the East Coast again and wrecks havoc with Philly or New York City and all that, um, it, it would just add another layer to, you know, there's, there's no going, there's no turning back, there's no, yet there's still, we have to plug ahead. Uh, so many factors yet to come, even though we're 20% into this uh, this 60-game season already. All right, we're, we're a half hour into this conversation. I'm not going to keep you too terribly longer, but let's actually talk a little bit of baseball before I let you go. Sure. And uh, sure. are, are you concerned about the – now, Sunday notwithstanding, and I, I really, mm-hmm. I, I'm hopeful that Sunday turns into – I thought Sunday was good because, yeah, you had the home runs, which the Brewers absolutely need to hit home runs. That's going to be a big part of their run scoring. But the Brewers also have to be able to string together hits and put together rallies, and that's what they did in that six-run sixth inning. So are you – we're talking on Sunday night, so that's the most recent game. Are you more optimistic that things are, are going to kind of start to move in an upward direction for, for Brewers hitters overall, or are you still concerned about where they seem to be right now? I think, it, it, you know, I, let's just say that there was a lot of bowling over on balls. I don't see a lot of swings that are really, like, I got this. You know, there's a lot of defensive type swings that when they do they are making contact it's weak contact but i do think that it, it there is plenty of reason to think that this is not going to be quite the horror show in terms of uh putting rallies together that it has been the, the, the hitting with runners in scoring position has been atrocious which really i don't I haven't looked up where they ranked in recent years, but when was the last time we really felt like the, the a Brewer team was doing really, really well um, on a yearly basis with with runners in scoring position? It's it's been a little while, I think. Um, I, I think you know Smoke had his three hits today, and boy, he's been it's been tough to look at. Narvaez has been left all his hits in summer camp and spring training and. These guys aren't going to be doing this all year long, and they're going to catch up to some uh, to, to some streaks and some some things that will make us feel a lot better. I, I I don't have a big worry that you know this is going to be a bottom of MLB uh, offensive team in terms of 
batting average, OPS, home runs. I think it, it, it will be at least middle of the pack, if not a little bit better. Um, I, I'm not down on the makeup of the team as it is. Stop. And I'm very heartened by what's happening on the pitching side in terms of both health and performance and youth and long-term. I, I think the Brewers are in a great place um, in terms of where they are with, with their pitching, both short, mid, even long-term right now. But, yeah, the offense, a um, lot of veterans and not a lot of kids on the farm that are going to be of uh, big breakout help in the next couple of years. So we shall we shall see. But that's my that's my answer on that. Is that uh, I'm not so sour as so many of the the Twitter Twitter fans might be on the, where the offense is right now. You mentioned the starting pitching, and Craig Council mentioned this in one of his post games recently, where it feels like we're watching some of these young pitchers take that next step. What what Brandon Woodruff maybe did last year, all of a sudden, or maybe two years ago, as he, he continued to move forward. Uh, whether it's an Adrian Hauser or Corbin Burns or Freddie Peralta, or even an Eric Lauer who's still young, hasn't been in the organization, but is young, it, it really does seem like there are there's there, there's a bunch of guys who are taking huge steps forward who could be very big parts of this team moving forward. Doesn't it feel like Adrian Hauser is like just the most under the radar guy, and and maybe has been his whole career? Um, obviously, he was hurt. Do you remember he was granted a fourth minor league option? And if he hadn't been granted that fourth option, and the Brewers had lost him somehow, because he he would have been claimed by somebody, you know, if outrighted. Um, who knows what how that trek would go? Yeah. But he is just somebody that even during the off season and heading into spring training, we were like. I think we all should have been more bullish on, on what 2020 was going to mean for him. And I can't wait for, was it tomorrow night, right? Monday, what, as we're speaking tomorrow night, uh, Monday, where I think he's back up on the rotation. Lindblom looks like he's going to be, I mean, he's here for three years. Uh, you know, could his role devolve at some point over the next two years if there's not a fantastic performance? But if he's a steady piece for the next three years, then you throw the, the, the three young kids um, when I say three, uh, make it four with Freddie, but his situation is always a little bit tenuous, bullpen rotation. Yeah. But then you've got just a lot of really strong situations going forward with this rotation. They always seem to find a way to make the bullpen work. And, you know, Craig Council is just a master at that. So that's why I say short-term, mid-term, long-term – really bullish with this pitching rotation. And Matt, let me tell you this. It's, you know, eight teams in the National League make the playoffs. Are you, how confident are you in these best of three series to kick things off if you've got Woodruff, Hauser, and Burns available in those three games? Yeah, it's, it's it, you know, the Dodgers go have a bad outing from, from Clayton Kershaw. That's happened in the postseason a few times. Yeah. All of a sudden, you just got to win one of the next two, like that sort of thing. If We're talking, you know, if you're the eight seed and the Dodgers are the one seed, that type of situation. These into, All these three-game series are total – they're not quite the crapshoot that a one-game play-in like the wild-card game has been, but a three-game series is still a certain level of a crapshoot. That's going to be a real – Fun time, and I know that's where MLB is getting their money um, out of, of this. They, they're really hoping for that bang of the bank for the buck with the postseason money. I need to look at my 
my employment schedule and kind of map out those days. Because when those, uh, you know, eight series begin, four in the National League, four in American League, best of threes, uh, day games, mid-afternoon games, evening games, West Coast, night games, that's going to be wall-to-wall madness Mm -hmm. and a lot of fun. Um, Fans, no fans, if they can pull that off, the the level of and I hope it's not a permanent thing. I'll, I'll put that out there as well. But if they can pull it off for 2020, my goodness, what a couple of weeks that's going to be uh, with the first round and then devolving into uh, more of a traditional playoff format. But uh, who knows what teams will advance after that first round? It could be a lot of fun potentially. Yeah, it it absolutely could. And I'm with you. I- I think it is going to stick around. I'm not real excited about it, but I am happy that they're doing it for this year coming off the 60-game season. I'll let you go on this. Uh, Brewerfan.net, uh, you, maybe you have a little bit of extra time on your hands because uh, the minor league stuff is not uh, going on this year, but uh, you're still keeping things uh, pretty busy over there. Yeah, and, and let me explain for folks who have been uh, long-time followers of Brewerfan.net. Um, as of this very current moment, um, we had a little bit of an outage, uh, actually for the site was down for about 48 hours, but more importantly for some folks who might still think it's down, um, currently brewerfan.net was always something that when you typed it into your web address page would automatically convert to forum.brewerfan.net where you'd find all the conversation forums and links to that I, that I provide, um, well, that conversion link isn't working and is currently, we're working on getting that back up and running. So for those of you who still think brewerfan.net is unavailable, it is not. It is available, but do try plugging in forum.brewerfan.net. You'll find everything that you've uh, found in the past. Uh, my little job has been, among other commentary, is a uh, I kind of take it upon myself because I, I do enjoy sometimes the give and take of, of all the various media interviews, including this podcast every week, Matt, that I do link to. So I do try to put out a daily link where I say, okay, here's all the different local media outlets and all the folks they spoke to. Um, I'm not asking you to dig into each and every link, but if you do find that you want to pick and choose, uh, you can listen to all the, the Calvies and Hodricuts and Will Salmons and all the other guests that are regularly around the web and um you get a lot of trinkets and little tidbits sometimes in those interviews that you might not get in the traditional uh you know beat reporter articles so that's what's going on with brewer fan thank you for all of those who still visit uh, still an entity after 20 years and uh let's hope we can celebrate uh with so many others at the end of a very non-traditional 2020 and hopefully a much more traditional 2021 and beyond. All right, so just in case anybody kind of did not hear what you just said, just I want to be very overt and clear in this. For people who want to visit brewerfan.net right now, what exactly do they need to type into their web address? Sure. Forum, F-O-R-U-M dot brewerfan, singular, brewerfan dot net. So it's forum.brewerfan.net, that will absolutely bring you to the forums that uh, you're used to seeing there. And uh, Major League, Minor League, uh, Draft Talk, it's all still broken down there. Um, Our little threads that we run on a game-by-game basis as the game is happening. So um, that's where you want to go. 
Jim, I encourage folks to follow you on Twitter as well, at Mass underscore Haas, M-A-S-S underscore H-A-A-S. Jim, I love our conversations. Thank you so much for taking the time, and we'll do this again very, very soon. Matt, I really appreciate it as always, and thank you again. Take care. I'm glad things are uh, glad things are happening baseball-wise. Yep, Let's I put it that way. I am too. Thank you so much. Thanks, Matt. Jim Goulart joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. This week for the Brewers, they will play the second half of their six-game homestand after playing three against Cincinnati. They've got three against Minnesota. 7-10 first pitch on Monday and Tuesday. 6-10 first pitch on Wednesday. I'll have a Brewers warm-up for you at 6 o'clock for the Monday and the Tuesday game, and then I'll have Brewers Extra Innings immediately following the games Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. As a reminder for folks who are listening to this podcast who maybe do not live in the Milwaukee area, you can always stream our post-game show, Brewers Extra Innings, at, uh, on, on WTMJ.com using a smart speaker. Now, when the actual Brewers Radio Network broadcast is going on, that can't be streamed on WTMJ.com because Major League Baseball owns those digital rights. But as soon as the network broadcast wraps up, the streaming turns back on and you can hear uh, my show. So if you tune in and you hear some archive programming of some of the talk programming that's on WTMJ during the day, that's what fills that time when the broadcast is on. And then as soon as the uh, radio network goes off, the uh, stream goes back to being live. So just want you to know that you can hear that postgame show. After they're done with the three home games against Minnesota, they will go to Chicago for uh, four games against the Cubs. Should be noted if you've got a schedule that says that Cubs game coming up on Thursday the 13th is going to be a 3:05 first pitch. That is not correct. That game has been pushed back. That was the date of the game that was going to be played at the Field of Dreams in Iowa between the White Sox and the Cardinals. So that's not being played now. And instead, uh, from a national TV standpoint, what you're going to have is the Brewers and the Cubs. So that's why that got pushed back. So I believe that's 6.15 on Thursday, 7.15 first pitches on Friday and Saturday, a 1.20 first pitch on Sunday, and then their first scheduled off day in the month of August coming up on August 17th. I say it that way because they got two early off days when they didn't play the Cardinals on either August 1st or August 2nd. Thanks so much for being tuned in. We look forward to talking to you again next week with another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.